Tonight's reading comes from Philippians chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Be here and uh, to be with you at this, this incredible passage. I preached this three times today, so three different ways. So it's quite a challenge uh, to think about an eight o'clock communion, ten minute lot, and then an all day service, and now tonight. Now. Uh, if you've come tonight for a sort of um, a gentle kind of shades of grey version of Christianity, forget it. Uh, that's not what Paul's on here. That's not where he is. He's very black and white. He's very clear about what he's trying to say. Um, this is black and white. He's comparing, if you like, at the beginning particularly, what people think is important and what God thinks is important. There's a kind of comparison here very much with, this is what the world thinks over here, this is what God thinks over here, uh, and, and there's no sort of middle ground, there's not a fence there that you can sit on. So that's, that's where we're going. Now, if you go back into chapter 2, we must just link this all up together. 
He's developed the idea of who Jesus is. In that fabulous passage in Philippians 2, he's talked about Jesus, who is, let me just tell you one or two of them, he did not cling to equality with God. He made himself nothing. He became a servant. He humbled himself. He was obedient to death so that every knee should bow to him because he is the Lord. That's what he's saying. He's saying there's a centrality about Jesus here, that there's something which is not just, he's not one of something that you can come to, there's a bit of this, a bit of that, a bit like pick and mix, you know, it's, it's the centrality of Christ, it's Christ right at the center, and because he is all that, and because he died for us, and our sins are forgiven, that we should, as Christians, shine like stars, that famous song we used to sing, shine Jesus, shine. Well, do you think that was Jesus shining? No, that's not why it was written. It was written that we might shine Jesus out through us. That's, you read the song carefully, that's what it's about. And so we need to see that. And so Paul starts uh, chapter 3, after he's outlined his theology, if you like, of Jesus. He says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Now, does that mean just sort of, yes, let's rejoice in the Lord, let's be happy for Jesus? No. That word's much bigger than that. Rejoice in the Lord says put Christ right there in the middle. Rejoice in the Lord. When I go out to work tomorrow, what do I do? Now, you can try this if you like, and I know people have done it, sort of sit on a bus and say, I'm rejoicing in the Lord, and one or two people look at you funny. Uh, but, but that's what it's about. It's about what we do tomorrow on our bank holiday, if we've got it off, and wherever we're going this week to rejoice in the Lord. Isn't it fantastic that we're children of the Lord Jesus? There's one or two think it might be. I've got a couple of nods there. That's about all i got, but I'll, I'll keep working. Okay. That, that's what it means. It means I'm, I'm delighted. I'm, I'm passionate about the idea. Forgive me if I get passionate tonight, but this passage demands it. And, and that we center our lives and all that we do on Him and thank Him for being our Lord and Savior. Jesus is the center. That's the deal. And, and there's a lot of urgency, if you noticed, uh, in the beginning of this chapter, finally. It's in my book, it's finally. I think you had further when Nigel read it to us. Further. It, it's only halfway through the chapter and we're doing finally. Only halfway through the book, rather. We've got two chapters to go and it's finally. I want you to get this. This material is fine. It's no trouble, he says, to write to you. Um, the same things to you again. I want you to get this, Paul is saying to the Christians in Philippi. By the way, Philippi was a very sort of, you know, posh town. Philippi was, if you'd been a general in the army, and you'd served, you know, with the army chaps. Sorry, is there any military people here? I mustn't offend them. Um, But if you'd been in the army, you retired to Philippi. It was one of the few places where you could have Roman citizenship outside of what we call Italy. So when you went to Philippi, you were quite something. And Philippian civilization was very good and very posh and very nice. And you were, yes, sir. Paul says that's rubbish. Let's see how he unpacks it. That's why he's writing these things again. Now, what's the first thing he says for you guys who've just been on a fantastic week away? Great. If you think that it's just going to be, it's going to be lovely to be a Christian from now on, forget it. Forget it. Because what does he say? He talks about two categories. Watch out for those dogs, those who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. Now, we had a, a lovely moment in our house yesterday. I told the, 9:30, the 10 o'clock lot about this this morning. 
Our next door neighbor brought a new retriever puppy round when my grandchildren visited yesterday. And uh, he, was, uh, he was so incredibly gorgeous. And you could stroke his little, is it fur? Whatever it is, anyway, what he's got on him. Uh, and, you could, and he went, oh, and you looked up at him and he looked at me. And oh, it was just gorgeous. You know, I got quite soft, really, and quite soppy about a dog, which is unlike me. Uh, but there it was. What he's saying here is dogs. These dogs are the dogs on the street that come and bite you and snap at you. That's what he's describing here. And there will be people, you guys who've had a fantastic week away, somebody will come snapping at you and say, you know what you did last week? It was a load of rubbish. It's counterfeit. Forget it. There will be people who will try and convince you that what God did in your lives, which was so precious, is counterfeit and rubbish. Forget it. These are dogs, and these are mutilators of the flesh. They are literally people um, who have an outward appearance of of what's called circumcision, the Jewish rite, uh, rather than true faith. That's what he's talking about. False people. Guys, we always need to understand the enemy. As we walk on as Christians, any general will tell you that. You need to understand the enemy. And there will be people always who will seek to undermine you, to devalue what you have, to devalue what you believe, and just say, don't go there, it's, it's not worth it. And you need to be aware. And uh, we can all have times, can't we, when we think we're self-sufficient, we're strong, and, and we're not depending on God. And therefore, these mutilators of the flesh can pick us off. They can pick us off and make us feel absolute rubbish. We lose our dependence on him. Now, what does Paul develop this like? It's quite fascinating, any any way he does it in the beginning there of verse 4b. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, in other words, in yourself, I have more. And Paul then rattles off all his pretty well perfect CV that Paul has. A physical circumcision. I'm an established Jewish believer, don't you know? I'm born out of the house of Israel, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Well, my parentage is good, and I'm solid as a rock. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin, the only tribe that remained faithful to David throughout the whole of his kingship. So I'm part of the tribe of Benjamin, don't you know? And a faithful law keeper. I have legalistic righteousness. I I know what it is to follow the law that, that God laid down in his word. When it came to boasting at parties, Paul had a pretty impressive CV. That's who he was. He was a learned man. He'd sat under a guy called Gamaliel. And he'd learnt the scriptures and the the truths of God for for years. He was very much an upper echelon man in society. He could have claimed it all. He could have staked his life on his status. Just like we can. Oh, my credibility in the group is that I'm good at sport. My credibility is that I'm cool. Dare I say this, I can play music. That I'm good at my job. I can put all these things up and and I can claim them to be that which, as it were, formulates my identity. That, That is who I am. Paul says something then quite shocking after he's listed this great CV that he's put together in verse 4b to 6, he then says, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss 
for the sake of Christ. Now, does that mean that all those things that you do and uh, that you value, that are part of your life, your family, your work, all the things that you're involved with, the things that you belong to, are they all rubbish? No, 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 no. But what Paul is saying is this, compared, compared to knowing Christ, they're like garbage. I warned you it would be black and white, didn't I? There's nothing much more black and white than that. It's quite radical in these days to stand out and say, as for me, I will serve the Lord. That's who I am. That's what I'm about. That's what I want to be. I want to be known as a person who says, everything else is lost compared to knowing Christ Jesus as Lord, Paul says. He was in love with Jesus so much. He, he just wanted to focus on, on what Jesus wanted. He had an intimate relationship begun on the Damascus Road when he was converted. And after years of service and obedience, there's still excitement, there's still challenge of getting to know him better. Paul says, I want to know him. I want to know him. Now, our world today is so much about relationship, and good that it is, no problem with that at all. But would you put at the top of your relationship list Jesus I want to know Jesus. And you say, well, Jesus isn't here. My friends are. Yeah, but Jesus is in God's Word. Jesus can be spoken to. We can talk with him. We can listen to him. We can hear what he says. We can read what he writes. We can, we can look at it all, and we can know Jesus. Uh, this morning, uh, I, I, I sinned grievously in the, in the uh, 10 o'clock service by bringing in my Tottenham memorabilia. Uh, I, I did it to offend one particular person, and uh, I enjoyed every minute of it because, you know, Harry Kane, for me, uh, he's the man. He's the man. You know, and, and that influences me. I, I get excited when I watch my wonderful Mighty Spurs play football, and, and that influences me. How much does knowing Jesus influence the way you are day by day? How much does that affect your judgments, your values, the actions that you take, the things that you think, the things you watch on the telly, the things that you play with on your computer? How much does knowing Jesus actually strike into that world of yours? Do we turn around to God only when things go wrong, when we face trials, and we say, God, what are you playing at? Come on, God, do something. Now, what Paul says is, I turn to him all the time. And we're going to come back to this over and over again in the next few minutes, but as I turn to him, let's try and understand this. If we get Jesus in, in our system, as it were, then as we walk along the road of living, then isn't it true that that will shine out of us? So when I got excited a little bit this morning about my beloved football team, you know, I, I, I get excited about them. I, I think, now, if, friends, if only we could see this, we don't have to turn it on. We don't have to do it in a place like this. But as we, we learn to develop that relationship with Jesus, I want to know him, says Paul. Why? Because then I will shine. And people will see Jesus. I, I came to Christ through a lady that I met at college. Uh, she was uh, quite a character. She was very good on the trampoline, actually. 
And uh, I, I can't think that that had anything to do with anything, but uh, is this getting a bit dodgy, Dave? Is that why you turn around to Charlotte? Think, is Dave gone off the wall here? Yeah, I, all sorts of things about her, you know, that I thought, goodness gracious me. And she shot me rigid one night, and she just looked me straight in the eye and said, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour? And I said, well, that's another thing, to, strange thing to say in the middle of a college common room, but she said it. Now, I gave that lady the privilege of becoming her husband, but that's another story, which we'll go to later. But that's what Heather said to me. Because the most important thing that she needed to know was whether I trusted Jesus. I think she probably thinks now that I do, so that's encouraging that I've kept 52 years of marriage together on that basis. So Paul's plan for the future, verse 9 he says, is to be found in him. I, I, I want to be found in him. Now, that means literally that my, my life, my values, the way I make decisions, the way I choose universities, the way I choose career, is, is centered in him. It's founded. I want to be in him. It's not about struggling to obey laws, trying to keep up appearances of being a Christian. I'm going to get up this morning and be a good boy or a good girl to follow Jesus. No, I, I want to center everything that says, everything that's about me, I want to be centered in him. Which means I've got to get to know him. There's no shortcut here, guys. There's no easy way out of this. You've got to get to know him. You've got to develop it by reading your Bible, by Talking about it, that's why download is so important. What Charlotte's work has been over these years, and Dave and all the other leaders that were with you this week, that are there because they want you to grow that way. For your life to be centered in him. And Paul says all that comes by faith, verse 9. Faith in Christ, the righteousness that I want to have in Christ is, is because it's centered in him. It's that which will lead me on. And that's what will make me single-minded about my purpose, because we can know him. It's surely not hard to believe that if we allow, listen to this, if we allow the creator of the universe to enter into our lives, the creator who made the heavens and the earth and everything in it, and he says, through the Lord Jesus Christ and by the power of his Holy Spirit, I want an intimate relationship with you. I want you to know me. That's relationship. That takes time. That takes development. That takes work. That's why you come to download every week because then you build it up bit by bit. It's not a resource. It's not a kind of play game thing. It's a be there and keep growing thing. And so we do that in order that we may grow. And I want to be there all the way, Paul says. I want to know Christ, the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. I want it for life. Sharing in suffering, that will come, if it hasn't already. And then one day, one day, the glorious resurrection of being with him forever. That's where we're going. Which means that most of you, if I die tonight, I'd see you again. Because the Lord Jesus has promised resurrection. So I'll see you there. Okay? And we'll have Kevin and guys up here playing music in heaven. I'm sure you will be playing in heaven, Kev. That will be great, won't it? And we'll be rejoicing together. So, what do we do? We want to be with him in his death, yes. 
There are some Christians in our world today, Glenn prayed, didn't he, for the persecuted church. There's plenty of places to go with that. And those guys are living that hope just like we are. Probably more deeply, probably more profoundly, the Christians of Pakistan or northern Nigeria, where my friend Ben Kwashi is working. Oh, yes. But they're pressing on. So that's what we go to, last of all. Not that I've already obtained all this. Wherever we made perfect, but I press on to take hold. Now, that, I think, is probably an athletic image. Sue liked this image, so I'm going to use it again this, morning, uh, this evening. Uh, I once saw that wonderful video of... Um, Linford Christie, now I know that's out of date for some of you guys, but Linford Christie won the 100 meters at the Olympics. And they had this head-on camera straight down his alley. No, it's Lane, isn't it? That's right, Lane. Anyway, right down his lane, there he was, Linford Christie. And you saw him get down. I won't bother because it, it could be tricky. Um, he got down, okay, and there he was. And all they had was the focus on Linford's face. And then the gun goes and he's off. And he runs down, I will do three meters and no more, because that's all I can cope with at my age. And all the way down, his eyes never shifted left or right. His eyes were on the tape, the finish. Guys, what God is saying to you tonight, you guys have got years and years of wonderful opportunity of serving God. And some of us who've got, what, I don't know. How do I know? I can't know, can I? But whoever we are, whatever stage of life we're at, he's saying, press on, press on. But look forward, knowing that you have the strength of God, knowing that he will be with you every step of the way. What does Paul say? Press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of you. So just as Christ Jesus, through his death on the cross, forgave your sin and took hold of you, some of you experienced that this week, you press on in order that you can take hold of eternal life with him forever and do all the things that God has gifted you to do, all the wonderful opportunities. Do hear me again, that they are not garbage. It's a comparison that Paul's making here. Move on. Keep going. Forgetting what is behind. Those sins are forgiven. Guilt is not a deal in the Christian world. Sin is forgiven. It's removed as far as the east is from the west. Psalm 103. Take hold. Get going. Forgetting what is behind. And here's the image. Straining towards what is ahead. Yes. Come on. Let's keep going. Until we die or until the Lord returns towards the goal to win the prize for which Christ has called me heavenward. That sends a tingle down me. Christ has called me heavenward. He's going to take me to be with him one day. That's the prize. That's what's going to be one day. Who knows when? And as we go along that way, if we do this, my title tonight was Shining Like Stars by Knowing Christ. If you think you're going to shine like a star on your decisions, forget it. Develop that relationship with Jesus. Know him, as Paul says. Go with him. 
develop it, grow it. And then as you walk along the pathway, it will be, as I've said. Some of you knew uh, a dear friend of mine who was part of this church until very recently, Robin Martin. And uh, I know Robin well. I knew Robin well. He was a man that you could take the mickey out of about South African cricket, and I used to love it. He was a great guy to have around. But it wasn't long if you talked to Robin before you got round to the gospel and the state of the church. I used to try and get him off the state of the church and get him back on the gospel because it's better ground. And we just used to talk about Jesus. I have very fond memories of conversations with that guy because the last thing he said to me pretty well was that verse. I'm pressing on because I know where I'm going and I know who's going to be there and therefore what else is there to do but to press on until Christ calls me home which he did and George and I stood here one afternoon and rejoiced in the life of a man who loved Jesus that's the deal that's the way forward for you guys for guys who are somewhat more senior over this side more whoever you are Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, until one day he calls you heavenward and you will be with him forever. I think that's kind of exciting, don't you? Let's pray, shall we? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for our Lord Jesus Christ, for who he is, for what he did, what he's doing, for the fact that he's prepared a place for us to be. And he calls us tonight to trust him, to develop our relationship with him, to grow more like him, to do what we can while we have breath, to move forward until the day that he calls us heavenward. So I pray that for each of us, we will press on. And if pressing on is a struggle at the moment, perhaps we can spend time with someone tonight as we pray that God will make that less of a struggle. But that we resolve from this service tonight to press on, to do what we can with God's help and God's strength, to be more like him day by day. Guide us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.